So, Karen, what are your two truths and a lie? I went to lunch with Elton John. I was married in a castle. I swam with sharks. Welcome to A Whole Lot of Shift Podcast, the podcast for multi-passionate women with an entrepreneurial spirit, where we provide inspiration, motivation, and education to help you shift away from all the shoulds and supposed tos to what's truly possible for you in your business and your life, all on your own terms. You ready, girl? Let's make shift happen. Hello, and welcome to another episode of A Whole Lot of Shift. I am so glad you have joined us today. Our guest is Karen Vale, and I am so honored to have her as a guest. She and I have been in a mastermind previously, and she is a relationship and communication expert. And I knew I needed to bring her on the show to share what she does with all of you. So I'm super excited. Welcome to A Whole Lot of Shift, Karen. Hi, Jen. Thanks for having me on here. I'm very excited to to be here. I'm kind of bouncing around a little bit. That's my nervous system going in overdrive. I'm quite excited. So uh, yeah, I, I'm happy to be here to talk about relationships and communication, which is what I love and like to get into. So whatever you have for me, throw at me. <laughs> I love it. Well, you're going to be in for a doozy with me in particular as the host. Fun fact, as I was getting ready for this recording today, I normally... Um, you know, kind of just try to wear maybe something a little nice or something that makes me feel good, some fabrics that are soft to the touch so that when I am just talking with people or, you know, recording my voice or whatever, my energy feels different. Mm -hmm. Um, but today I was like, Oh, okay. So, Oh, I'm talking to Karen today. Oh, Karen's relationship expert. Oh, you know, I'm casual, chill, cool. And I was like, I'm just putting on some leggings and a and a vest. And then I was like, are these my thoughts on relationships? <laughs> and I thought, this is interesting. This is interesting. So I'm so excited that you're here. We're going to get into that. I'm loving this. Um, so anyways, Karen, I obviously know you, but the audience does not. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, so I've been coaching for about a year and a half. I am a life and mindset coach, but what I really like and what I'm very good at is relationships and communications. It's become my forte. Um, it's something that I have a lot of experience and expertise in. I have spent years studying relationships, how to change them, how to use your vocabulary in our relationships and how you can change your state. Everything about our lives starts as far as I'm concerned with communication and we're pack animals. We need each other. So that's kind of been my journey. Mm, pack animal. Oh, and you're speaking to, um, to Gen X over here who thinks we can do everything alone because we've always been alone. And no, we don't need anybody. Mm -hmm. All right. This is going to be good. This is going to be good. <laughs> okay. For the audience before the show, I did ask Karen if she wanted to play along with two truths and a lie. Um, this is one of my favorite games to do with guests because as we, um, converse throughout the recording and I get to learn a little bit more about my guests that I may not have known about them already. Um, I love to play two truths and a lie and see if I can figure it out. And I want the audience, if you're in the audience, I would love for you guys to play along as well. So Karen, what are your two truths and a lie? 
Well, there's something I'm going to say before that is, as I've learned through communication and also I'm a police officer, there will be tells. Okay. And see if you can see them, if the audience can, because at the end, they can tell you how you can tell as well. Okay. Oh, okay. This is so up my alley. And you know, okay. Okay. Hold on. I'm going to have to finish that thought. We're going to come back around. Tell me your two truths and a lie. Okay. So I went to lunch with Elton John. I was married in a cast. I swam with sharks. There we have it. Oh my gosh. Okay. So if you're tuning into this episode, so here's what I love so much. If you've heard um, some of my prior um, episodes that I recorded, one of the things that keeps happening is I'm bringing people on that I have networked with who I know have great value to share with the audience and have an incredible story to help you connect to what you're truly wanting more of and to help you make those shifts in your life. But one of the things that I loved so much is I learned things about my guests that I never knew. And the amount of similarities and when we think about law of attraction and vibrational laws and everything, in the last few seconds, Karen has shared, she was a police officer, which I didn't know. I don't know why I thought you were an EMS, but you're a police officer. Um, And one of her two truths and a lie, I don't know which is which, could be that she's had lunch with Elton John. So a little bit about me. I worked for the local sheriff's department for about 10 years. And one of my very favorite, all-time favorite artists, Elton John. Wow. And I've, I have seen him in concert a couple of times. And I, I am just like, I'm dying. I'm dying. Now, what would be really cool is if you had lunch with Elton John in the castle, you got married in. But now I'm just, I'm just grasping. I know. It's okay. Um, I'm so excited. Okay. I'm going to try. And so when you said there are tells, I was like, I know. That's well, why I like this game. It's <laughs> very good. Yes. And, and, and I may have exaggerated a bit, but we'll see. <laughs> There's no, 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 no. Okay. So, Karen, I, I love to know one of the, the things that I love to learn is tell us about a time, um, that maybe something that happened, your, I like to call it your fuck this shit moment that really kind of created the biggest shift in your life that has led you onto the trajectory that you're on now. As a coach, you mean, or in my life that led me into self development, that type of stuff? Cause they are two different Ooh. things. Okay, let's let's start with the first one into self-development. Um, I was in my teens, very alone. I had a whole bunch of, you know, it was really screwed up as most of us are. Back then I would have been on Oprah Winfrey. Nowadays we talk about self-harm, self-injurious behavior, past abuse, sexual abuse, all that type of stuff. But back then I was alone and people never talked about eating disorders, things like that. And I uh, I was drinking way too much became an alcoholic. And one moment, I was just wanting to kind of die. I had a lot of suicidal ideation. And one moment, I had this thought. And the thought was, I'm not going to die. I'm going to live. And every effing day is going to feel exactly like this. And that's when I thought, I have to do something different. because, And I envisioned myself being 90 and 110 years old with every day feeling like this. And that's when I decided I needed to get clean and sober. And it started a whole trajectory. I was very young, was 21 years of age. 
And uh, it started a whole trajectory of self-exploration, learning how to relate to other people, how to grow up, how to communicate, and led me to the fields that I'm in where I have to have meaning. That's one of the mm-hmm. very important things. There's two things in my life I've found is I need to be of service, you know, and, and I want to help other people. So whatever I do, I have to have meaning in my life. So, and that kind of led me into the next shift in, in how I ended up being a coach was I was about 20 years, probably about 15, between 15 and 20 years, I was a counselor in, uh, for, for teenage women. So I was healing a piece of my path by being mm-hmm. there. I knew specifically by being there for them when I didn't feel anybody was there for me. And I did that healing them and their families for many years. Um, learned a lot of good stuff from that. I went from there into being a police officer. Again, being of service and serving others, very different way. I used yeah. more counseling skills than anything else in, in my time there. That's, and I'm still there. Thank you. Bless you for that. Thank you. Yes. Sorry. Carry on. Yes. No, thank you. So, and about two years ago, um, I got taken off the front line from, uh, diabetes and I could no longer be on the front line. The 911. I love the 911 responder being there and people's at their absolute worst. And also sometimes at their absolute best, the, 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 the good, the good Samaritans that stay and do stuff, man. I, I love that. Um, I was never one of those that saw only bad things in humanity. I, I saw such good in humanity in those moments. And so I really missed that. I was sitting at a computer with a phone and it was no longer a part of people's journeys. And so it was a pretty easy pivot. Somebody said, you should be a coach. I had actually had a whole bunch of e-commerce businesses that were failing, uh, no good at it. And I found out because it wasn't my purpose. It had no value, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as somebody said, you're a coach, it's like, God, yeah, I am. So I went and got a couple of certificates and it's been a really easy shift. And, you know, now I, I still sit there and I sit at the computer and answer phones. But in the evening and on weekends, I come home and I change lives and I'm part of people's processes. And that's what like fills me. I, I love being being a part of that a journey. It's a, it's a very special place when somebody allows you to be there with them. Yeah. Oh my gosh, so much. So first of all, thank you for choosing to be here. Thank you for choosing life. Thank you for choosing the journey that you did. Um, for anybody who's hearing this, I know in the United States, if, if you are having thoughts of self-harm or suicide, I believe it is um, 988 that you can dial and reach out to somebody. Um, so important. And... Your life matters, Karen. So thank you. Um, I can't express that enough, really. And then, and then the thought that you moved on from that path to then help other women. Um, and then moved on from there to go into law enforcement, which even the name enforcement. Oh, yes. Is a little, you know, it, uh, I don't want to say triggering, but it, it, it perceives that we are only there to enforce. But the real truth is, is, as you've shared and clearly learned, man, you probably counsel more than you do enforce. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so thank you for, for that. What, um, wow, that is so, so powerful. I, and, and just, you know, sharing that, that I've worked, um, in law enforcement as well. There's so much truth to that, seeing people at both their absolute worst or possibly their absolute best. And you've, you've seen all those worlds. What I love that you also shared with us was the fact that you eventually figured out that while you had the entrepreneurial spirit, 
um, you realize that it wasn't really filling that cup of yours that you need to really be um, as amazing as you are. And so you had to kind of shift gears and it sounds like shifted gears into something that comes naturally for you. Yes, it has. You know, I've uh, uh, way back in my early 20s, I had an astrological chart done for myself and um, the 12 planets, whenever they were in only three areas. And I remember at the time I was working as a manager in the post office. And she actually said, your Saturn's going to return when you're 27. You're going to change your career. This is where you're going to end up. And I think it was about 23 at the time. Well, one of the things she said was, what I do daily is a very important. Spirituality is very important. And that I need to, yeah, so what I do daily, I have to contribute. Mm-hmm. And so when it came, when, when I started to look at it, I had to stop doing the job that I was doing and get into helping other people. Um, that became very apparent to me that I wasn't satisfied with corporate. And so, yeah. um, I've never looked back since then, but she was right when it, all of a sudden one day I sat there and went, Oh my God, I'm in the group home now dealing with these teenage girls. And it was 27, you know, and, yeah. and it, it was just, and, and from there realizing that, that my daily life has to be con- contribution. It has to have meaning. Yeah. Oh man. I love that. So. So I'm, I'm super curious when you think about communication and relationships now in your coaching, what are some of the common questions that you get or what are some of the common problems that people come to you with? Jealousy is a huge one. Oh, um, not, you know, recognizing they don't want to feel that way and that it's destroying the relationship, but not sure what to do with it. And of course, you have to unpack that because jealousy is just a symptom, you know, lack mm. of confidence, maybe a distrust in the other person. Maybe the person has done something to, 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 to warrant that distrust, like, or they don't even know it, but they're giving cues that could put you into an uncomfortable situation. Um, that's a huge one. Another one is, is the self-sabotaging. Every time I get close to somebody, I self-sabotage and, you know, we, we call it come here. Um, what is it? Come here, go away. It's that mm. when you. I get anxious because you could hurt me. But then when you get too far away, I get anxious because you're leaving me. And it's, 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 you know, symptomology a lot of times of, of, of younger children who have not been properly taken care of and absenteeism parent emotionally wise. So they learn to develop on their own. Um, and, you know, they find relationships that are, they're too far away anxious as well as when they're too close anxious. So they do things to self sabotage that they really don't want to do. Mm confrontation and conflict that is the hugest problem i see people are afraid they they think confrontation is this bad word so they avoid conflict that's people pleasing that's just avoiding that could be waiting and then you blow up because you've kept everything in and you, the poor person's you know you now you now you're, you're throwing everything from the last 10 years at them um and it's all because we believe that con confrontation and conflict means something bad that's what we've learned in the past, or or we don't have the skills to ever have navigated well enough to get to a successful completion. And so those are the probably the top things that people require help with. And all of them can go from negative to very positive interactions. But you have to be willing to try. You have to recognize that you have that difficulty. And actually, in all honesty, when you ask me what's the single biggest thing people come in, why usually why they come in is is 
because he or she is doing and they are doing and this. That's actually where we start, where they start. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, how can I get him to do or her to do? And I just, or my kids, you know, that coworker, my boss. And it's honestly, most people come in with the focus of them. It's their problem. And they're looking for some validation around that. And to some degree, some people are very difficult. But we're only in control of ourselves and our own actions. So that's what I work on. And I will say that can be a shocker for people. I tend to shoot a bit straight and get right down to it. So um, that's one of the things that I have to navigate because being an I'm a one responder, right in there quick. Um, so I, I'm, I'm learning that. That's part of my own practice of, of learning to mm-hmm. gain up. But the truth is, is, is that it is about us. We come because of somebody else, but it's about us and that's what's in our power and control. And that's what I teach. Yeah, no, it's, it's so, I think people, all of us, we don't even recognize conflict is everywhere and in everything. Conflict isn't necessarily bad. Um, conflict, conflict can allow for discovery, um, and so much more. Um, I mean, we don't even realize when we're with our kids, with our pets, whatever, there's conflict, <laughs> right? <laughs> I said said sit and they're like, oh, I want a treat for that. (laughs) Right. And then you're suddenly in a negotiation. Like it's it's you know, it's everywhere and we just don't even realize it. Someone said to me once um, the biggest. um, Oh, I don't remember how it was worded exactly, but it was something like the the. The one thing that ends relationships is unmet expectations. Mm -hmm. And that really sunk in for me because what that really said to me was when I thought about, I reflected that on myself, I thought, hmm, I do have expectations and I don't always just say, here's what I need from you or me or whatever that. And so when we're saying, I want him or her to do X, Y, Z. It's those unmet expectations. We, we maybe don't even realize we have those expectations. Yes. Um, wow. That's, it's so interesting. So I would love to know when we were kind of joking just before the, the podcast, because I was saying, um, you know, we're, this is, if you're listening to this, there's also a video that will be shared as well. And I said, you know, we won't. She, Karen was asking if I edit it all. And I said, well, you know, yes, if, if somebody comes through, through your, your video or whatever, I'll take care of it. And she's like, Oh no, I already told my partner, like, you know, Hey, make sure you got like clothes on. You're not walking through. It was like, that's a relationship, right? <laughs> it's the direct communication. But Karen, one thing I noticed that, that you do very well though, um, while you're saying direct communication, you know, you're really good about just simply saying, hey, can I ask you something? That's such a simple, um, just a simple like switch because then the person's giving you permission. Yeah. I'd love, I'm curious, what are some of the simple, simple like maybe thought pattern shifts that you've, you've seen, um, or help people make in their relationships or in that communication style? Mm. Um, any tips on how to, if you're, if you're concerned, actually, this is, this is really what I'm trying to get to in that, that conflict, in that communication, 
when you're wanting to approach before you get to the blow up point, <laughs> what are some tips on how you can approach what you're perceiving as conflict? Uh, okay, so so when you're dealing with conflict, one of the things that you have to do is you have to be willing to be vulnerable, take the risks and be a little uncomfortable. Okay. Mm. Um, there, I mean, they'll teach you, to, well, I can teach you things. To me, this is simple, but maybe it isn't for your, I've heard it for so often. So I, I think that everybody knows this and I forget they don't, but, you know, I statements, not you statements. Uh, mm. One of the things, not being, not getting yourself out of the outcome. So if I want to discuss with you, let's say, for example, something that you're not meeting, I would like you, okay, here's an example. Sue um, mentioned about two or three weeks ago, I think it was. I wasn't paying enough attention, like the, the monster. So she wanted touches. She wanted, you know, me to be more cuddly, touchy. I'm not a cuddly person. No, she's 35 years together. We've, she's never asked for that. So I'm not mm -hmm. sure where this came from, but I'm like, oh, okay, this is important. She's asked for it after. That's sorry. We haven't been together that long, 30 years, something like that. And I thought I need to pay attention. So the fact is, is that you, you have to listen to what people are saying. Okay. Your words will tell you, when I listen to people's words as a counselor, it tells me what they're thinking, what their perspective is, where they're at. Okay. So I'm looking, like I said, 30 years, she's never asked me this before. Why is she asking it for it now? What does this all mean? Now, what ultimately it meant is, is I, you know, I had to look, was she feeling insecure? Was she doing this? Was she doing that? But more importantly, I needed to respond to it. And I have been. And then I pointed mm -hmm. out to her. I just gave you a hug. Give me a point. Because, of course, it always comes back to me. No, I'm just joking. These, these are jokes that I sometimes do, okay? <laughs> but, but so when you approach something, you have to let go of the outcome. Like, if I want you to mm -hmm. pick up your socks because it's driving me nuts, and I don't want to mention it because every time I do, it ends up in this blow up of a fight. You have to ask yourself, how important are the socks are? So instead, if you turn around and say, I find that I get agitated and irritated, when things aren't in their place because it feels messy and that doesn't feel comfortable to me, you know, could you at least think about that and ponder about that? It will make a big difference to my mental state and let it go. Mm -hmm. I, there's one thing, I, I know you have an older son, but there is one thing that I learned and that was in the group home. People will go nuts with teenagers with wanting them to put their things away. Take the, take the dishes to the sink. Okay. I have come to the conclusion, no matter what communication you do, parents, let it go. Because they will outgrow it, but they will not do it. Okay. That is one thing that you cannot resolve as far as I'm concerned. I'm joking a little bit, but you know, um, it is something that I gave up. I mean, we're talking 20, 30 staff. They're pulling their hair out. They want these kids to take dishes to them. And I'm finally forget it. We're not, we're not, we're not punishing them anymore. You take away this, take away that, take away that. Just pick them up. Yes. So, you know, the idea is, is that you have to break it down into smaller pieces. You know, and you have to get out of the outcome. You want to, if you're doing it, express yourself about how you feel about something, not about mm. controlling them to change them. You're yeah. never wrong if you do that and you do it in a respectful way. You know, there's the old saying, is it, is it honest? Is it kind? And is it necessary? Is it necessary? Yes. You know, um, and sometimes what happens is we tend to, if we're uncomfortable and we're unsatisfied in a relationship, then we start to kick apart everything. You know? mm -hmm. Um, and when you said about like, you know, you heard what's, what's, what, why people break up is the unspoken expectations. I actually have a different thought about that. And I, oh, find, I'd love to hear. 
I find that what drew you to the person in the first place is what seven, five years, however long later, drives you apart. So I'll give you an example. I'm one of those solid people. I'm responsible, dependable. Sue was a loosey-goosey, free-spirited, uh, spontaneous person. You can see what drives us, draws us together. Right. After being in a relationship for a little while, I become too stodgy. I'm full of regimentation, according to her, you know, and da, 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 da. she is irresponsible. You know, can't depend on. So, you know, I find that we do, we do come together based on things that we kind of like and would like to have, but don't. But then yeah. we try to change the partner to be more like us. And that's where conflict starts. Oh, that's big. I, think, I was just going to say, I think I did something in there for you, Jen. Yeah, no, we do. I mean, we, because I think that's one of the almost expectations that you have is, well, I wouldn't do that. So I don't understand why you, why, why would you think this was okay? Mm. Yeah, I think we do that in so many relationships. I think probably even when we think about working relationships with a boss or, well, if I was a boss, I wouldn't expect this, right? Actually, I have that conversation with a couple of my coworkers every day. It's kind of like, uh, well, you have the stripes and you've gone through all that and taken the responsibility. Then you get to tell them how they should be controlling all the people that you think they should be. Yeah. Right. It's not your job. Like, it's Let them do it. And as long as it, as wrong as they are about it, they got the stripes yeah. to do it. Sorry. I'm saying stripes because it's, it's law. Um, I, I mean, your boss. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I knew all of our audience might not know where you're going with that, but no, you're right. Like they've earned the rank and, and, and we don't necessarily, if you haven't been in that rank, you don't necessarily know what's involved and, um, yeah, whole other ball game, but there's so many other, um, relationship aspects. And I love what you said about there are some things that you just need to let go of, like the teenager. So I have a 20 year old right now. And exactly to your point that if, if, if I would have asked him, I need you to do this and, and I expected it to be done right then and there, probably not going to happen. Um, one of the things that I learned now, and of course, Lee, man, you talk about this law of attraction. Um, I also worked in a group home, um, in my early twenties. <laughs> And eventually became a foster parent out of that. But yeah, and so worked, um, now my, um, the area that I worked in was the six to 12 year old boys and girls. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I would, and I'm not sure why, but if they ever needed help in another department, I would, and I do know this answer actually, if they needed help in another department, I would say, mm -hmm. the teen girls or the teen boys? Cause I'll go to the teen boys, but I'm not going to the teen girls. And, um, the boys were way so much easier. You know what? They're yeah. just up there. They're, they're cussing and they're, they're throwing a ball around and maybe they'll get into a fight, but you know, it, and the girls was a whole other ball game. Yep. My, my point where I'm going with this is I find it interesting that, um, you know, one of the things that I, I figured out pretty, um, pretty early on there was allowing for the autonomy. And so I was able to say to my son, you know, let's say it's summer break. Hey, this week, I want you to do these three or four things. I'm going to tell him, I don't care if you do this today. Mm -hmm. You can do it all in one day. 
You can do it by Friday, whatever. But by Friday at five, when I get home, here's what I would like to have done. And there were, and he had to figure out, right, how to manage that. And why I'm bringing this up is because I find it interesting that more often than not, sure enough, as a teenager, there were times at Friday at five, he's running around the house, like, you know. But now as a 20-year-old, I don't ever say, I'll notice after like a period of time, he'll just kind of look around like his area. He still lives at home. Kind of look around his area like, well, this is messy. Mm -hmm. And then he just does it. Yeah. It's, 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 so I love what you said about sometimes there's just things that you have to let go of. Man, so many, so many tidbits. I, I'm really curious. So I think I heard you say that you and Sue have been together 30 years. Yes. Congratulations first. That, that's, I mean, relationships are work. Work on cells. Sorry, I think it's 27. I, I have to sit down and I tell okay. off my shoes. Listen, up. hold on. Let me, right? Let me get out my calculator. I don't know, Karen. Is this part of your two truths and a lie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, it takes worth on work on everybody's part. So what do you think the, the secret has been for you guys <laughs> to, to be together 30 years? Oh, the secret. I don't think there is any one single secret. Um, you know, I, okay, here's, here's one. I, I'm afraid to say that I made a mistake. <laughs> no, no, I'm just joking. Meaning that's why I'm still with her 27 years later. Oh, um, that was sorry. That was a joke. Didn't come off right. Oh, and of course me, I'm like, Oh, <laughs> we have our bad. I, I guess what it is is you have to be ready to endure the bad times. And to know and believe that they're going to end. Because I can sit here and say we've had, we've split up or almost, sorry, we've almost split up a couple of times. It hasn't been all roses. Um, you know, and because of that, you know, you have to kind of endure the, the hard times. Yeah. You need to know what your bottom limit is. But I think a couple of things that always have to be in the relationship respect. And it doesn't mean that every day we're very respectful with each other and everything's like that. I mean, God, and I'll say it about her because I'm not going to talk about me. Um, when she loses her shit, she's, there's no respect. <laughs> I just walk away and know that that's just, you know, she can't contain herself. So it's, it's not about that. It's about an overall respect of the other person as a person in your good moments, you know, um, that that's very important. I see that as one of the first things that generally go in a relationship and you can get it back because I have had loss of and then gotten it, got it back, but it takes work. And I think that's one of the things is, you know, people have this belief that relationships are supposed to be easy. I don't know who told us that. And life is supposed to be fair. Again, these are two untruths. Okay. Wherever you got them from, they're BS. The fact is they take work and you got to be willing to do the work. And, and for me, I'll tell you, at seven years, um, there was a lot of issues in our relationship. And I all this, you know, I was doing that seven year age. Uh, it's the longest yeah. that I'd ever been with somebody that's like, I'm thinking this just isn't working because I was always, oh, it's better to be single. I blame the person that I'm with for all of my problems. I'm unhappy. Mm. My life is stuck in this type of stuff. And then I get out of the relationship and it's because I'm not in a relationship and I'm single that I'm so unhappy. So I was doing that. And all of a sudden there was this kind of realization that, hey, why don't we actually stay in this relationship and try to work through that shit? You know, and and I did. And uh, I actually was in this relationship from the beginning without believing it, I was there, for, not for a good time. I was just there for the time being. 
not forever. I didn't believe in things being forever. And, uh, you know, one day just went into the next one, into the next. And then one year, it's like, well, cripes, I think we're going to be. Now I can't imagine not being with her. But back in the day, it was just kind of this relationships. Teachers come and go. I had that kind of, you know, flow. Teachers come and go. People come and go. Yeah. Friends come and go. I didn't know yeah. she wasn't just, she just wasn't going to leave. Um, I figured that she was here for a certain amount of time. So, you know, respect, working through the hard stuff, uh, being prepared to do it. There are all the things being honest and open. Um, communication. Communication is a huge thing in our relationship. Uh, I do it a lot better than her. Um, and I think she'd admit to that too as well. But, uh, being willing to listen to each other and, uh, yeah, there's, there's no, there's so, there's no secret. It's really, you it. That's really pissing me off, Karen. <laughs> I brought you on here as the relationship expert wanting the secret. Yes. But you know what? Two people have to be willing. And that's the biggest problem is sometimes one person stops being willing. You know? Yeah. And then the other person, you can't change that. Yeah. So, so no. two people have to be willing, you know? The other thing that you said, you know, joking about, well, life isn't fair or relationships should be easy. I hear this one other thing a lot. And it kind of sounds to me like in your own relationship, you experience the opposite. So the other thing that I hear a lot is, that at least what I hear told to women about men is very early on within the first few months, a man knows. He knows if you're a hit forever person. And I've always thought, I don't, I don't know that. Like it almost sounds, so when I'm listening to your story, it sounds like maybe it took several years before you even thought to yourself, oh no, I think this is something that's going to last. Well, it's an interesting thing because even when you said that, it's like I'm sitting there going, did I actually think it wasn't going to last? I don't think that I had that thought. Oh. It just kind of switched that somewhere over the years, something happened and it was like I realized, oh, okay. Um, so some of it is, for example, you know, when you fight, when you're first in a relationship, you fight, you think, oh my God, it's over, it's done. Well, yeah. you know. I hated that. I still hate that. Well, I don't have that now, but so you have to learn to fight and not end it every time. And then you mm -hmm. learn that a fight doesn't mean that it's ending, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I, so this idea that the guy knows that it's forever. Okay. So I worked in a totally female environment for 15 years and then a totally mm -hmm. male environment for 15 minutes. And Jen, I agree with mm -hmm. you. Boys are much easier than girls, man. Any, oh my God. But you know, I don't know that I buy into that. They know. I think really we make a decision. Mm. Now, sometimes that decision is settling. You know, mm. it's not always the right decision. It's, 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 I don't like to say that. It's not always the right decision. It's not always in our best interest or yeah. for our highest good. So like settling would be one because I'm scared nobody else will be coming. But I do think there's a decision that we sometimes make. You know, yeah. I'm going to be in here. So for example, I think anybody who moves in, if you've just moved in with somebody and you're thinking of leaving because it's chaos for six months, I have, I've met, I've lived with lots of people and I believe that that's true. Two people coming together, it's very, very difficult and it's very stressful. But here's the thing. Sue and I made a decision and I said, okay, for the next six months, no matter what, every time we have a fight, we agree that we are not leaving. Neither one of us are going to leave, that we're committed to this relationship for six months. And then at six months, we're going to discuss it and decide whether we want to continue. So that allowed us to be in this stressful situation of two people coming together, trying to figure out how to live together without killing each other. And I have to tell you at the time, I really 
there were times I did not like her um, or how she lived, you know? And Right. It, but it allowed us to fight and get through that, you know, and not abandon the relationship each time and become scared about that. So we were able to be who we truly were and what we authentically felt and thought and would say to each other without worrying about that. Oh, wow. So much there. I love this so... Um, and what you said about moving in together. So at the, at the, um, wise age of 40, I decided to, um, to get a roommate. I had been single and divorced for probably 10 years at that point. And I was saving for a down payment on a house. And I, I had this, I had this goal in front of me. Um, and once I get my eyes set on something, I, I had this big five-year plan. And this is one of the last pieces to my big five-year plan. And I was like, I got to buy a house. And so I decided to get a roommate and I get not even maybe three months in. And I'm like, what the hell was I thinking that I could live with? <laughs> what was I thinking? Um, and I remember it um, for like one of the other thoughts that I had to myself was if I can't live with this this person who I, I admire and respect and we, in my mind, you know, we had a good enough relationship and, and we were both single moms. And, you know, if I can't do this, um, I, I am a relationship failure. I will never be able to live with someone. I will never be able to get married. Right. Like the stories start. Ah, yeah. Um, all those stories. But what was interesting was, you know, I mean, we even like had a fight about it where I was like, Hey, I'm considering just, I don't give a shit. I'm going to break the lease. I, two shits are given. I will find another way. Like I, and, and, and anyways, and we, we stuck it out. Um, and, and then probably about six or seven months in, things were still kind of rocky. Like they weren't good. Like it was mm. tragedy kind of struck me, um, in my personal life. And it was extremely eye-opening, I think, for both of us. Um, that tragedy was a, a death, the death of my ex, my son's father. And my son was 16 at the time. And, um, and for her as a single mom of two boys, um, like this hit so hard, that reality of life is short. And we're arguing over what? Like, we're, we're here both after the same, we were after the same goals. We were two strong, independent career women, single moms, right? Like, like, what are we, what are we freaking bickering about? Because I don't like the guy that you brought home. Like, really? Um, so anyways, it's, um, it's so interesting what you say about learning when you move in with somebody and you actually learn like how they live. Um, you also learn what I found anyways was how I lived that I maybe didn't recognize. I didn't realize I was regimented. I was, I think you and I actually have some very, I was, it's Sunday. We meal prep on Sundays because on Monday, like this was, this was the deal. And, um, I, I never thought of myself in that manner. Mm -hmm. I live a very regimented life. Never thought that. There's, there's so much discovery. Wow. You, you know, it, moving in with a roommate is 10 times harder. And we you think so. Oh, yeah. And I, I'll tell you why. Sex moves everything over. 
There is so much more that you tolerate from somebody when you're having sex. You know, all of a sudden the socks on the floor, they're going to bed. That's okay. Um, you, know, you have a much, you have much more tolerance for living with somebody that you're having a sexual relationship with because it's got different bonuses. Mm. Then you're with a complete stranger in your home. And then there's a, the imbalance of, is this a rental agreement or are they moving into your home? Like there's all these things. So, yeah. you know, the further you get away from an intimate relationship into, mm. you know, somebody owns and they're renting out a room or you're living with them in community, come coming to two tenants moving in together, a rooming house. Like they all have different power type of dynamics and other complications. So, yes, I think it's a lot harder to live with a roommate. Um than it is to live with somebody that you're involved in an intimate relationship. And in fact, sometimes if you look at your own intimate relationship, if the sex is failing and it's not, not failing, but like, you know, gets further and further behind, you will find more things start to bother you about them. Yeah. Cause you start living like roommate. Yes. I remember yep. going through my divorce and saying we're roommate. Yeah. And so those things start to bug you where they wouldn't have before because you have a higher expectation of somebody that you're not getting. Hey, you ain't getting any. There's no, you, you know, we, we, whether we do it on a list or we do it in our mind, there's the benefits and the, that was it benefits, pros and cons. Yeah. And it's like, well, that one just went down there, you know? Oh, uh, so yeah. <clears throat> oh my God. Okay. We could do a whole episode just on that topic. <laughs> okay. But so many powerful things. Just as I, I love what, um, everything that you've said. I'm curious. So for audience members who have listened, um, listened into some of this and would like to connect with you, tell us how could, how can they find you? Uh, well, Facebook, that's my big thing. Karen Vale on Facebook. So DMing me, uh, right in my DMs. I'm on there and in analysis, but I also have a website. It's, uh, my my business is called Karen's Coaching Corner, and that's uh, Corner with a K, K C K. Karen's Corner, uh, Karen's Coaching Corner dot com. So, um, but they're the two two ways, and uh, yeah, I respond, and I do still work full time, so a lot of it's in the afternoons and uh, weekends. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. You know what I was just thinking of? Oh my gosh. Okay, I want to try and guess your two truths and a lie. That's funny. I was just I was just thinking that too. It's time. Do you remember, okay. Do you remember okay. what they were? Okay. You okay. These were the three things. You swam with sharks. You've had lunch with Elton John. And you got married in a castle. I really wanted you to like have lunch with Elton John in the castle that you got married, but we'll, with a shark we'll save that for another day. With a shark? Yo! <laughs> we just dove in afterwards. <laughs> so it was all it was all part of the ceremony. <laughs> Um, okay. So, um, okay. So in a little bit, Karen, you're in Canada. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Do you want me to say it on the hip? Okay. So I'm going to go out on a limb. Okay. So I'm going to say it is possible that you had lunch with Elton John. I'm sorry. Am I supposed to respond to that? Yeah. Sorry, was that it? That that, that's what you saying that was. I say, I say your truth is you had lunch with Elton John. You did get married in a castle. You have not swam with shar- sharks. And is that your final answer? <laughs> in my dreams, this is my final answer. You've, you've had lunch with Elton John. Yes. Okay. So my lie is I was married in a castle. So yes, I had lunch with Elton John. 
and 19 other of my close friends, okay? So I wasn't that close to him, but at the same table. Sir Elton. He wasn't Sir Elton back then. Ah. Okay, well, you have to tell the story. How did how did this happen? You know, you're asking me now, I'm going, shit, can I tell, can I tell? Um, and then I realized, when I wrote it down, um, he's out about this. So he goes to Al- Alcoholics Anonymous, which I'm also a part of. I don't know if he still goes, but back in the day he did. Showed up at a meeting in Toronto. He was in concert. We all went out to lunch afterwards. Holy and holy shit. Good for him. Yes. I, I, shows that, up to a concert and still like goes shows up for the meeting. Yeah. yeah. He was here for a concert series. Boy, remember. if that doesn't. Late 80s or early 90s. I can't remember what it was, but um, yeah. So it was shocking to have somebody of that stature walk into the meeting. It was a whoa. Did, yeah, he caused a disruption without saying a thing, and everybody tried to be uh, sensible about it. But it's Toronto, right? So we're we're not in Los Angeles. We don't we don't get to see people very often. So it was quite exciting. And like I said, when it's like he's going for lunch, we're oh. so yes. I didn't oh, get to wow. say anything to him or that, but I sat there the whole time. Well, and talk about a a motivating factor to show up those meetings because I mean I would be sitting there going. If Elton John's showing up, I, like I'm, I, I'll I'll be here every week. <laughs> you know, you and all the non-alcoholics coming into the meetings at that point. Yes, it's an all. Well, I'm oh, just thinking. I'm just thinking the self, um, yeah, um, discipline, the self-discipline to, hey, yeah, I'm traveling. I'm at a concert. The opportunities yeah. are abound, yeah. but I'm still going to my meeting. Well, it's a, um, it's a necessity. And, you know, like I said, I yeah. originally was sitting there going, can I put this down? And it's like, then I realized, so oh, he's out about it. He's he's talked about it. He's been open about it. And it's like, yes, it's his necessity. That's the thing is, is like, you know, um, yeah, I understand that being in the program and being an alcoholic. I'm still in the program, but I don't represent the program. Everything I say here has nothing to do with the program. I represent myself. There, I've done my disqualifier. Um but, uh, you know, it's a necessity for us. And uh, I don't know if he still goes, uh, but I'm sure that he does, you know, in whatever way. But it was really cool to have him walk in that day. And so. But the swimming with the sharks is the one that I'm more excited about. Hello. Anyway. I know. I'm sorry. Okay. So swimming with your... Wait, where? Um, what ocean or... New Zealand. Zealand. Yes. It was New Zealand and it was in an aquarium. And uh, I just, they, they do crazy things down there. And uh, so we swam with them. I have to tell you, we showed up at 7.30 and they said the feeding hours at 9.30. I started to get a little nervous. Why are we there before feeding hours? Shouldn't we be there after? The fellow who um, is teaching us and taking us in, there was four of us. He doesn't go in and he sits there with a harpoon. What does that tell you? Okay, so I'm sitting, no, this was not the ocean. This was in a freaking aquarium. I'm sitting there thinking, this is stupid. Anyway, we go in. It's very, very cold. You had to have the, what do they call them, dry suits and that type of stuff. Ultimately, man, yeah. I couldn't handle it. I'd never felt like prey that in all my life until this freaking shark that, I don't know, 12 foot, I think it was, came up and brushed against me from one side. It just kind of swam right by me. You're not allowed to move. I did <gasps> everything not to. So um, I will never do it again. I uh I always wanted to feed the the the, the fish down the sharks down in the Bahamas. No, that took that away. But um I figured everybody does this, right? It's in New Zealand, people get to do it. So I'm walking around and talking to employees, oh, do it in a tank. And I'm like, is there something I don't know? Like, did somebody get any around weight? So yes. So that's as close as sharks I got to. And uh yeah, Sue loved it. She bobbed around 
And uh, actually, when we went in, there were two people. We put flippers on and they didn't. And they had these weight feet. And all I remember thinking as we went in, oh, that'll look right. It'll be like the, you know, the flyer. Oh, right. I'll be safe because I got flippers on. Their little weight feet are just showing up. Oh, my goodness. I, I, as you were saying that, my, my only thought was, um, I'm a, I'm a freezer. You know, there's like fight, flight or freeze. I'm a freezer. Oh, wow. That is so incredible. Those are amazing experiences. Well, you know that she says to me then after that, Hey, do you want to go in the ocean and swim with seals? Seals. <laughs> but shark bait. I don't think so. No, no. You wear a band to, to, you admits this. She's crazy. Okay. But it makes this frequency that scares away the sharks. And I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, any shark waters I've watched, that's not true. I'm not going anywhere near them. Okay, then I'll go. No, you won't. <laughs> not an option, sure, for God's sakes. <laughs> Is this even covered in our insurance policy? <laughs> Let's see. You have... You and me are along the same lines. Like, okay, I don't know. I read the fine print and this is not covered, honey. You're yeah. not doing this. <laughs> they have no fault insurance down there. There's a reason for that. You can't sue anybody. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. This is amazing. Well, and so New Zealand's on my bucket list. So we're going to yes. have to. Um, yes. We're going to have to chat because this is. Oh, wow. Okay. So, Karen, um, for those in the audience, if you would like to connect with Karen, I will be sharing um, her website link is law as well as all the links to all her various sh- social medias in the show notes. And be sure to check the show notes. Sometimes I might drop a little extra in, like maybe a little gift or a freebie for the audience. So be sure to check those as well. So thank you. Thank you, Karen. Thank I you cannot. Too. Um, this has been so much fun. It has. Yes. Um, there are so many topics. Um, and I'm so glad that you played along with two truths and a lie. This is obviously, you can tell one of my favorite games. Um, so anyways, thank you all again for tuning in to a whole lot of shift. Until next time, keep making shift happen. <laughs> Hey shifters, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of A Whole Lot of Shift. If you heard something today that inspired you or resonated with you, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review to help others as well. Your review helps me give as much motivation and inspiration as I possibly can. And don't forget, you can catch all the outtakes, bonuses, special live stream interviews, and much more over at A Whole Lot of Shift Facebook group. Until next time, keep making shift happen.